now proudly presented on SNME. That's Sunday night's main event. Heavy traffic during 4-5. Got a hustle on the own time. Color people every port side. We just people from the north side. Want some teammates at the shore fine. Winter ready on the four ties. Hey guys, what's going on? It's your host, your boy, George Bakai, back here in the Straight Talk Studios. And man, do I got a good one. This is about late September, early October when this one will drop. And it's a great honor to have this gentleman. I had the opportunity to see him live at Demand Lucha defend his Hog Cruiserweight Championship. And he did it with all the style and flair that only a, gaff, uh, a ghetto samurai can do. Without further ado, let me welcome Nola Catano to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you, sir? Yeah, what's good, man? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm doing well. How about you? I can't complain. I can't complain. So the first thing I noticed right off the hop when you came on and we were setting everything up, you're rocking the Wu-Tang hat. Now, Wu-Tang... You're definitely a lot younger than I am. So I was in the prime of, of Wu-Tang. I was there when it was when it was vibing and it was real. When it comes to Wu-Tang, the whole clan, people debate back and forth on who is the all-time great on Wu-Tang. Now, they all had, you know, some of them had decent solo runs. Some of them had incredible mm -hmm. solo runs. Red Man Meth Man with the Blackout album is a classic for definitely. sure. But who do you think was the most underrated member of Wu-Tang? Like, when you listen to the lyricism that these guys spit, who was one guy that a lot of people kind of left off their radar? So, I feel like ODB doesn't get enough credit. I really feel like he doesn't get enough credit. Because if you look at his style and the way how, like, so, not to knock off everybody, like, Method Man was great. RZA, um, Ghostface Killer, like, they were all great. But if you talk about, like, one of the underrated ones, like, ODB had his own type of style, like, the way he was, like, going into it. It was just, like, you know, the way how, like, certain rappers, like, they all had their own flow. Like, nothing was the same, like, how it is today. Like, certain rappers have the same type of flow. But when you, like, put them individually, I feel like ODB really had, like, the lyrics. He had, like, the the way of, like, rhyming certain words. Like, they all did. Don't get me wrong. Like, they all individual. I give them all credit. But ODB, he's definitely one of the, like, underrated, like, Wu-Tang members. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, I mean, 36 Chambers plays back-to-back. -back. I still have that <laughs> album on my iTunes, and it never it never disappears. Like, the greatest hits is great because you get a little bit of flavor from the other albums. But 36 Chambers will forever be – dude, I'm so old, I still have the CD and I have the vinyl. Okay? Yes. Oh, yes, gentlemen. Yeah, I still have the vinyl and I still have the CD. That's right. If most of you young people don't know what a CD is, it was a tiny little – looks like a Blu-ray disc, okay? I know some of you young people out there may not understand it. You have the struggles of going through back in the days of like trying to put line wire and putting your computer and putting so many viruses on your computer. You didn't go through that struggle. Don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's easy for anybody to get songs. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, LimeWire, uh, Napster when it first dropped, Pirate Bay. Pirate oh, Bay man. was my my jam for movies, man. Pirate Bay was. Oh wait, are we are we gonna get ourselves in trouble here right now? Like, is the FBI gonna come down on us both for this? <laughs> I, hope not. I hope not. So the Ghetto Samurai, you've derived it from so many different cultures. You pulled in a little bit of hip hop. You pulled in the anime feel. As soon as you came out at Demand Lucha, right away, I looked at my daughter. I'm like, Afro Samurai. All day long, Afro Samurai, I see all of it. Now, Afro Samurai, I mean, I'm a Samuel Jackson freak. I'm also a Tarantino freak. Samuel Jackson, Tarantino go hand in hand. I mean, we all remember the iconicness that is Pulp Fiction, okay? Mm -hmm. There's a difference between a foot massage and sticking your <laughs> tongue in the holiest of holies, okay? It ain't even the same goddamn sport, okay? I could quote Pulp Fiction all day long, but what about Afro Samurai spoke to you as an individual? What, what did you connect with on Afro Samurai? 
So I connected with the fact that he doesn't have to say much, even though he had like his um oh the character that Samuel Jackson was playing, like his little like imaginary friend that was talking. Like you can understand where like he was coming from, but also at the same time you can understand that like the way he moved. You ain't had to like he ain't had to say much. It was just like once he pulled out the sword, once he looked at you in any type of direction, like that was like how I wanted to be as far as it's like who Nola was. It took a while. Like, don't get me wrong, it took a while to like just get comfortable with who Nolo Katano is. Like it, it definitely took me a while to understand, like, you know, the movements, how samurai moves, how like even just to add like the culture, like, you know, urban culture itself with it. So I really gravitated towards Afro Samurai because it was just like, I understood who he was. It didn't take that long to figure out, you know, he's a badass. Also at the same time, like for God to go through so much just to like avenge his father or just like, this didn't even have the, like the number one headband. Like people forget like the certain little details. I'm very key on little details as far as like Afro Samurai. But when you add in Samuel Jackson, like the funny parts with it, like, I can picture like, oh, so this is what he would be like if he was like talking a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, okay, I understood. But he was one of the other characters like I gravitated to as far as like um samurais and anime stuff. And there's the others with like samurai shampoo, like with those characters. Uh the boondocks with Huey and Riley Freeman. Huey is definitely like the older version of how I am now. Riley was like the alter ego of how I really was when I was a kid. So he had a mouth and I had a mouth. So if you see me as who I am, when you saw me at the man, you could saw a little bit of little Riley Freeman like when I was like showing it. Absolutely. absolutely. I uh, actually went to give you like a, a congratulations and you did the whole. And I was like, oh, he did it to me. He did it to me. But that's okay. I forgive you. I even, t- I, 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 we were backstage. I was doing some of my other interviews and I came up and introduced myself. And I said to you that day, I said, dude, you're killing it. And the stuff you did on MLW, that's where I discovered Nolo. And you came out and the look, the vibe, everything. Me and my co host that we do the MLW Rewind podcast, we loved what you brought. You brought something fresh and different to an already amazing product. But to see mm-hmm. you there, Right off the bat, we thought for sure this is definitely a Boom IA recruitment match because yes. you would fit so well into the Boom IA scheme. You're talking the Suplex Assassin. You had the Ghetto Samurai. You got Mr. Thomas. You got so many different avenues that Boom IA can explore. Plus, you got Don King, you know, throwing out all them dollar bills at everyone. It's perfect. It's the perfect mix. But what was your MLW experience like? And has there been any talks to bring the Ghetto Samurai back on a more permanent basis? Or will we see you again in an MLW ring? Well, you definitely will see me um, at the ECW Arena on Sunday. You'll definitely see me at MLW. Uh, as far as my experience goes and further on future-wise, my experience um, behind the scenes was like, it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, love the locker room. I love the people there. Like, everybody is so cool. Like, from the Boombaye to Hammerstone to Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu, I love the guy. Um, to even my, my own guys, you know, we're always having a fun time when we're, whenever we're going there. Um, just like the vibe itself, like just being around people that, you know, want to do better. It, even though, yes, it is a competition and, you know, we're all friendly, but at the same time, we all want to be the best. Mm-hmm. So to see like that friendly competition, to see like everybody wanting to compete for that spot and 
just not be there just to like, you know, just to be there. Like, I ain't want to be just to be there. I actually wanted to be there and wanted to show out and show these people, like, hey, I'm here to stay. And uh, you guys should know who I am. I like that. I like that. Not to sound, not, not to sound too cocky, but like, you know, I'm just saying, man, like, you put me up against anybody, you best believe don't bet against me because I'll show you every reason why you shouldn't. A hundred percent. Listen, I, I we have a lot of great fans at Demand Lucha. And when you came out, I mean, you're you're the Hawk Cruiserweight champion. You are representing House of Glory. People should know who you are. And a lot of people were like, I, a lot of people around me were like, I don't know who he is. And I just looked over. I'm like, then you need to watch MLW because that's where I discovered him. I'm like, but when you came out, you came out, you were there with the, you actually posted this. It's a quote from one, a quotable from one of your posts. Beat five of the best Demand Lucha could offer me and still stood tall. And that's a hundred percent the way it went down. Everyone had their spots. Everyone had their chances to get one over on you and become that cruiserweight champ. But at the end of the day, Nolo waited. Nolo did mm-hmm. what he had to do. And like a samurai, he struck silently but deadly. And you dropped, you dropped them all, all six of them. And you you raised the belt up and you walked out of there, still the champ. And it's is it necessarily i mean i know it's drive and it's fuel when somebody looks at you and they doubt your abilities but when you could sit there and turn the doubters into believers in the same stance like the beginning of the match and then 12 minutes later you have beginning of the match you have the guys who are doubting and then by the 12 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes later you all of a sudden have made those doubters believers and now the ghetto samurai has a few more followers to add to his list that's got to be a rewarding feeling man i know it does that that right so the funny thing in those moments is that I don't expect people to cheer me because, you know, I'm I'm going in there like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, you want to boo me, boo me. I love it. I love when you want to doubt me because it gives me nothing but, like, that feel to be like, okay, you want to doubt me? Cool. I'll show you the reason why they call me the girl samurai. Why is my time? Why is samurai season? I'll give you what you want. But and in order for me to do that, I want you to know that I want you to like just put in your brain where it's just like every time you hear my name, you be like, oh, that's the guy right there. Oh, him? Definitely him. Definitely. Like, you want to book him? Yeah, let's go get him. Like, that is always going to be my goal, like to show people that, you know, I'm more than just a flippy. I'm more than just what you see, whatever, on like my highlight videos, whatever. Like, I'm that guy. When you want me to go up against anyone, like, whether it be six man, whether it be one on one, whether it be trios, tag, I am that guy. Again, I, I love the confidence. And you mentioned with my daughter, who always we air her five questions before we air the interview that you and I have, mm-hmm. the conversation I should say that you and I have. You mentioned Speedball Mike Bailey. I mean, one of the Canadian greats. Uh, him, Josh Alexander, both signed to Impact Wrestling, both flourishing. And Impact is kind of like Canada's promotion. A lot mm-hmm. of Canadian talent over there, a lot of talent that was given opportunities through Impact to shine. Now, you get a chance to step in the ring with arguably one of the best strikers ever. Uh, and I will put my stance on that. When Mike Bailey hits you, you remember it six months from now when you're work, working out and all of a sudden you have a little tinge where his foot oh, hit you. You're like, I remember I was remembering like the next day. I was just like... Just waking up, just like I was like, ooh, I was like, I wouldn't like try to roll over <laughs> to the side. I was like, okay, yeah, he he's definitely the real deal. But, he, but I already knew he was a real deal, like even before my match. And to have that opportunity, and what I mean is to have that opportunity to go up against one of like the best strikers, even like one of the greats of today right now, whether it's um junior heavyweights or like any type of like division, 
he's no he's like he's definitely one person you should not like overlook he has he made me look at wrestling in a different way as far as just like how I should go about things like I've learned so much just in that one match with him where it's just like wow this is what I've been been waiting for as far as like an opponent to like just just to get that vibe and just be like you know I can go toe-to-toe with somebody fine like not like I have it but it's just like with him it brought me to a whole new level of how I go about certain things now so would you say that match with Speedball Mike Bailey in a way to be cliche you leveled up your character leveled up yes definitely 100% like if I've I'm I would love to say, like, no, actually, I, I'm going to say it. he's he's definitely gave me that that match. Whereas it's like in my career, definitely I will remember this for like the longest because I leveled up and it gave me that confidence like that I needed to even go and win the House of Glory's um, six way championship. Like it gave me that confidence. Absolutely. Like after facing him and then, you know, even coming out with the win after, like, it was just like, wow. I went toe-to-toe with this guy. I felt nothing but confidence. You give me the next guy, I don't care who it is. You give me Jacob Fatu, you can give me anybody. Like, I'm ready to go one-on-one. And I can totally see it. You can mix it up with it. The great thing about your style and your character is that you can mix it up with a lot. You have the striking ability of the samurai, but you have that underwhelming power that I don't think people respect you enough for. When I saw you in that, you were lifting around bodies like it was nothing. And I don't think a lot of people appreciate the fact that, yeah, pro wrestling is, is a choreographed, a work of art and that's exactly what pro wrestling is it's a choreographed work of art but to still lift up a human body in a split second people don't really give wrestlers enough credit to say these guys oh these guys aren't tough they absolutely are lifting two three four hundred pounds over their hundred percent tough and for you to like mind you we've both been on like what wood and like um winch pat like to get up from that and then you gotta i gotta pick you up that takes a lot of effort, but I appreciate like the wrestlers and all and, and the wrestlers that want to step in here and like you know give this a shot because it does take a lot on your body and to even do this on a daily basis, just like consistently, like you have to give us the props because it's like this isn't this isn't um this isn't ballet this isn't like just like hey we're bumping on trampolines and like I don't think anybody comes into that world into our world and be like, oh, wow, you know, I want, I want to do this. And then when you take the first bump, you're like, like, oh, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. But you learn to appreciate it because it's like, you know, when you take, like, when you first step into wrestling and you just like, be like, you're excited, right? You're just like, all right, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that, hey, you know what, this is what I want to do. And when you take your first bump and you're just like, and you're now you're second guessing it. You're like, oh, maybe it's not me. It's not for me. It's not for everybody. But I do appreciate it for those who are willing to try and give it a shot because it's not an easy business to be in. No, it's a lot of long nights, a lot of traveling for sometimes little to no money. But it's mm-hmm. just about the chance of getting your name out there and making some noise, starting off as a whisper. And then it becomes an undeniable scream. And people are yes. like, this is this is the next man up. So you having that confidence and that swag, that's why I was like, 
A, I'm like, I got to get him on the show before he gets snatched up and he becomes untouchable because going through a lot of these, a lot of these bigger companies with media outlets, it becomes a nightmare. It becomes so much red tape. It's ridiculous. So having these conversations to be able to highlight you and bring you over here, it's a true honor. And I love pro wrestling since I was a kid. And uh, to be able to have these conversations with all these people that I admire and appreciate, it means the world to me because I can never do it, but I can cheer and boo for those who I love that do it. But I can never. Hey, man, I, I, I don't know, man. I can see you throwing the clothes on here and there. You know, I can see you throwing something, little little elbow drop. I could do it. I could do like an out. You give me like seven weeks solid of just working on the elbow drop. I can knock it down. I 100% good. <laughs> you do an elbow drop as the finisher, man. Yo, that, that, you bringing it back. That's right. You know what? I, I'll call it the I'll call it the Northern Drip, and just bam, <laughs> right? Huh? Yeah, the, the Canadian, the Canadian killer. And the Northern Drip. I love it. I've Look at that. We've just come with it. And then, you know what? I can be the Northern Samurai. And you could be the Ghetto Samurai. And then we could be the Samurais. That'd be incredible. You know, I have been looking for some new recruits from Canada for, like, my Aonakis. I want to go international with that. So there you go. Look at that. I, and I can I can talk. A lot of Samurais aren't supposed to talk. But I could be, like, the, the – I could be your Paul Heyman. I could do that for you. I, I, you know what? We'll talk about the ideas a little later. We'll talk about this. I love it. I love it. So you mentioned that in the in the early days of your career, this was more of a hobby, but now you've kind of taken the ball and run with it and really gone full force. Yeah. What what was the turning point from being just a hobby to this is this is everything for me right now? It was I think when I was like uh, I was like preteen and um I was talking with uh one of my teachers and they were like, Hey, you know, what do you want to do as a career? At first I didn't really know what I really want to do. Like I had a couple of ideas. Like I want to be like, you know, into like, I'm always into cars. Like I want to be like, you know, into like, you know, racing and all that stuff, uh, drawing like graffiti, graphic designs. But I kind of just like winged it and just said, yeah, I want to be a pro wrestler. Not knowing that, you know what, not until I got to high school, that's when it started to like get the ball rolling. Like, Oh, like, I really want to do this. So that was, like, the best decision I ever made as far as it's, like, uh, professional and personal life. Like, best decision ever made as far as it's, like, being a pro wrestler. Like, from playing video games to watching it with my family and my cousins and all of them, my friends. Even, like, you know, everybody in school has done the, the DX job. Everybody has done certain moves and got in trouble i've gotten in trouble quite a lot doing certain moves in the hallway but um, it really i have everybody i really wanted to just try and do something different like everybody in the norm over here like in um nyc they just either become a basketball player or just like rapper like the the usual i wanted to like do something that was different and wrestling just made sense for me. And it always has, it always made sense for me to just do it. And I'm happy that I'm really, I'm really doing something that I love. Like not many people could say that, you know, at my age, they're doing something that they really love. And this takes a lot. So the workouts, the, the long drives, the long nights, the, the plane rides, everything, like um, the hotels, the icing on your body, all that stuff, you begin to appreciate because these are the little things that you're going to remember when you get older. Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, to be cliche and to quote, yes, I'm going to do it, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to quote Miley Cyrus. Life's a climb, but the view's pretty freaking great. It really is. It really is. 
And yeah, I did. I, I threw Miley Cyrus up in this interview. And I don't feel bad about that. I do. Party in the USA, guys. Party in the USA. <laughs> Listen, being a girl dad, you start to appreciate these little things. And that actually leads to my next question. Uh, family life and support. Support systems are so key in any goal or any dream that you have. Me, I have a whole team of support behind me with my two daughters and my wife who understand sometimes the long drives that I have to do or the late nights mm -hmm. that I have to do or that to stay in it up till 11, 30, 12 at night to get that 15 to 20 minute interview or conversation, right? Even on a Friday, I just Friday night, just got home from work, grab some coffee on the way and we're down here, we're having this conversation, but it makes it all worth it because then I get to, you know, I get to have these connections and these personal touches that feel so yeah. great. What is your support system? What are, what, who are the individuals in your life that you lean on when things may not be going 100% the way you want them to go in your career, and you may have to revamp or think about stuff, who does the Ghetto Samurai go to for that support? Uh, besides the Anunnaki's, definitely, they're always going to be there to support me when I'm inside wrestling, outside wrestling. But as far as, like, family-wise, it would have to be, like, my older brother. Um, He's definitely has been, like, uh, inspiration as far as like him introducing me he's actually the one that introduced me to house of glory and going to the dojo so he's always been like my support system as far as like throughout my whole wrestling career um i do have my parents they always been supportive maybe in the beginning it wasn't because it wasn't too fond of me becoming a pro wrestler uh it was the you know but i was always doing the crazy stuff like i was always into like extreme sports so it's just, like it was just it felt natural for me but they they always been my support system, and uh, besides my mom, my wrestling friends, uh, my best, my best friends, like they became my best friends. Um, main event, they've been my support system. Always look out for me. Uh, there's quite quite a few other people, but um, can't name all can't name all of them. But those that do know me and that have been there with me, supporting me through my tough times and like you know my great times, uh, I do appreciate. Them. Absolutely. And I, I love that. I love that. And the main event are a couple of fantastic individuals, uh, Midas and Jay. I actually have a conversation with them that's going to drop a few weeks before this one with you and also Ultraviolet. Like House of Glory has just a stacked and incredible locker room of people that just want to not only better the product, but want to better wrestling as a whole and, and yeah, leaving wrestling better than what they found it, which I think is the ultimate goal for anybody. If you're going to leave a legacy, Leave a legacy where you could be remembered for being not only an amazing talent, but a great person. And I look at, um, I guess sometimes for myself, like I've achieved a lot of success in my seven years in podcasting. Uh, I've lost a lot of my hair, which is why I wear hats more often. But also I'm a girl dad. So that's the stress of of having, especially a teenage daughter. It, you don't even want to know. That's a whole different. You and I can do a whole oh, podcast on me venting. Okay. Just me venting about being a, but I love it. It's, it's so rewarding uh, to watch these individuals that you you brought into this world becoming incredible human beings. And yes. when I when I sit down and have conversations with incredible human beings, it just gives me more of a drive to keep going. But I also sometimes feel like I have imposter syndrome. Like when people are like, come up to me and they're like, man, I love your stuff. Or I love your podcast. I love your conversations. That means so much to me. And to those that have, thank you. Those that continue to support, I appreciate that. But sometimes I feel like I don't belong in this world. Have you ever had that thought or feeling that when you first started in pro wrestling that you felt like, man, how am I going to carve out my own little piece of this incredible puzzle? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I have felt that feeling. Like um, before, 
like I felt that feeling um before my debut. The same time around I debuted with the the six way championship that like we I debuted the same time as around that. So I had like a little bit of doubts. Like I didn't know if I was made for this. Like at one point I felt like maybe this ain't this ain't for me. Like, you know, I was training for a while. Like I was it just sometimes things do click, sometimes things don't click, but that's the beauty of pro wrestling. Like sometimes I forget that it's not it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that's one of the things that I feel like as like guys my age or like um anyone, like male or female, sometimes we like to rush the process and we don't sit back and like take a minute to enjoy what's happening to us, whether even even the lows, like trust me, I enjoy the lows as more than I enjoy the the ups. Cause like when you get to that point, you know, you're learning to appreciate all this when you're looking back at it. So, yeah, I've definitely felt that. I felt a lot of that. I still feel it from time to time Um, as far as, like, the doubts. Like, you know, because as you start to evolve as a character and start to evolve as, like, you know, that person, you know, it starts to become more of a challenge. Now you hit you hit one roadblock. Now it's, like, the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. It's, like, how am I climbing this one over or, like, how am I breaking this one down? It's just, like, what do I have to do to get to that next level? So just like, it's a, it's a, it's really like, it's a process. And it's just like, it's something that you can't really like describe unless you're really going through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's experience is different. Not everybody's experience is going to be the same. But we all are going through the same situation as far as like that type of struggle or that doubt. But we're all just going through it a little bit different as far as like how we're going to get there. But definitely, I've experienced it. Like, I've always gonna have that in my mind, but I know that it's gonna be all right. That's all. That's how I gotta look at it. I, absolutely, it, it will be all right. Listen, myself, I've gone through not so much those. I've gone through those up and down struggles, but I, I assure you, the the gentleman you're speaking to now, and I use gentleman as a loose term, uh, when I'm watching basketball or baseball or screaming at the TV or screaming mm-hmm. at wrestling, like I, I will scream at the TV when I'm watching wrestling, like they'll hear me. I'll be like, God damn you, Seth Rollins. Like, what are you doing? You're phoning this one in. And then all of a sudden he kicks it up. And then my daughter will look at me. I'll be like, he heard me. He knows, he knows, he knows, he does. He heard me. And I, 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 uh, but where I was a couple years ago was at the darkest, one of the darkest points of my life. I had literally checked out. I was ready to check out. That's the honest truth of the matter. But with the support system and working through those lows, as you called them, to the highs now, I look back at that low point, and that's something I needed to go through in my own individual process to get to the next stage. And the next stage has been great. I'm going to be 40 in three months, and that's a hey, scary man, that's, that's, that's a big That's a big congrats right there. You're still here with us. I'm glad. I'm glad you're still here with us, man. And I, and I appreciate you for that. And I, and I always feel the need to share my story because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that do go through those struggles, but understand that if you come out the, the other side, you come out so much more stronger than you'll ever know. And even in your, your, even if you go back to those dark places, those dark moments, those dark corners of your mind, you're so much more prepared for that, that battle, that the yeah. life, that battle with within your biggest critic is you. And that actually leads to my next question. Uh, you look at stuff and you you have those doubts, you have those feelings. And that voice inside your head is the most dangerous voice you will ever have because that's the one voice oh, that never shuts, never shuts up. <laughs> it, it never does. Like every time 
So I get really I get really cringeful when I remember like I watch my matches back. So it takes me a while to watch my match. Like it takes me like probably like a good week or two. Like sometimes I'll just try to watch it because you know I got I got put content out there. You know, be you're you're an investment for yourself. So it's just like you got you gotta be on social media a lot, which I I don't like being on social media a lot. But you know, that being said, um, I cringe. I cringe a lot. Like I yell at the TV. I'd be like, ah, oh, should have never did that. Oh, it's like, Ugh. like. Like it, it bothers me, but at the same time, it's funny because, like, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I did that. You know what? Maybe I could change up a bit, or I could just do a little bit different. Like, there's some things that I do like, but majority of the time, I'm like my biggest critic. Like, I'll even like just yell at myself. Like, it'd be more the most basic things. Hitting the rope. Oh, I shouldn't have hit the rope like that. Oh, why did I get up like that? Oh, this like the small little details. Oh man, the transitions and everything. Like, I get. Oh. Oh man. <clears throat> like biggest, I'm my biggest critic. Like people would say, like, you did good. Did I really do good? Do I do I don't feel that I did good? Have you ever have you ever come through the curtain though when you know it all just clicked right and you were vibing? You came through the curtain and you were like, I don't even have to watch that match back because I know I was on yes. point tonight. Yes. There have been a couple of matches. Um, one of them was Mike Bailey. Uh, one that was my biggest rival, uh, Matakia. He was definitely um, one of those matches. Like I think it was I think our part two. Like that match clicked with me. Where it's just like I didn't have to watch it back. I just knew we just we had it. Um. Yeah, those yeah, there was a couple. But as far as those two, those are always the two that always comes to mind. As far as like you know, I didn't have to watch it back as much. But it's just like I knew once I came back. From the curtains, I was good. I was like, I was satisfied with it. I love that. I absolutely do love that. When you when you just know you're satisfied. Now, being a champion at any level is a big responsibility. It's a big honor. And when a promotion trusts you to represent that promotion as a champion, you have to go full force into doing everything for that promotion when you are representing one of their championships. You being a champion at House of Glory. That's a big responsibility for yourself. And I know that's something you don't take lightly. How do you, like, when it's all said and done and your title reign is no more, how do you want to be remembered or associated with that title? Do you want to be associated with the great matches that you had? Or do you want to be associated with a legendary uh, number of days running as the champion? Like, most people want to leave that championship to tie in a legacy. Where is yours fit in with the House of Glory title that you're representing right now? I think... If I had, um, that's a good question. Uh, I asked the tough questions. That's what I do. Uh, yeah. it, it is a tough question, but because uh, I just recently just, I won the title last month and I only had one title defense, but um, successful one at that one. But very successful. Very successful. It's very, it's, I, I don't think. I care about the numbers as far as like how long do I hold it? do I want to hold it for that long? Yeah, I definitely want to hold it for that long. Hey, if I can reach like Roman Reigns status for that long, cool. But if I can't, you know what? I know that nothing's forever. I know that in my heart, and I'm gonna make the most of it. But for right now, I don't want anybody, nobody is gonna take that championship away from me. Whether I gotta use the Anunnakis, whether I gotta use Poison Miz, whether you never know, I might pull out my sword again every now and then to get the win 
Listen, I got the but, demon sword behind me, man. I can pull my sword out with you. You see that right there? Yeah. I got you. Oh, the nice sword, nice sword, by the way. But as far as the championship and how I want to be remembered, I want to be remembered as one of the best six-way cruiserweight champions, not just matches-wise or, like, how long I had it. I want to be, the like, just remember as the best. Like, you know what? I carry the division to new heights. Let's see who else can do it now. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you can get the title back to me, and I'll win it, and I'll create more new heights. <laughs> Just keep glass sealing that up. I love, I love, man, I love that. All your answers have been so endearing, so honest, and so real, and that's why I love these conversations like that. Now, this is this is a big one. This is a really big one. If you're stuck on a desert island and you had power and a TV, and you could only bring one anime with you to watch. What okay. would be the go-to that you would bring? Because I know you mentioned Naruto. I know you mentioned Afro Samurai. And I know you mentioned Samurai Shant. You've mentioned a lot. But what's the one that if you're stuck there and you can only watch one, what's that one you would watch for all of eternity? Man. <laughs> I can give oh. you my answer. My answer is simple. Okay. Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer through and through. I love Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer, yes, is one. But if we're gonna go back, uh, if we're gonna go back, I'm gonna keep it classic. And no, yes, the obvious answer would be Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. But nah, it wouldn't be Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. I would have to go with Initial D. It's pretty much an anime called. Uh, it's pretty much it's it's called Initial D, but it's pretty much uh anime based off of an actual um drift legend that drives cars in Tokyo, and pretty much. That's one anime I can definitely just watch over and over again, and I wouldn't even get bored. Like, yes, yeah, pretty, pretty much I'll be like, you know, why not be like a samurai anime or like a fighting anime? Nah. Give me Initial D, I'll watch it, I'm good. If I'm stuck on that island for, for eternity, by all means. Hey, I've never heard of that anime, but I'm going to check it out after we get off the show. I'm going to go upstairs, oh, going to go on my country definitely, definitely, definitely get a chance to watch it. Watch it in the sub. I don't know if you got like I'm a sub person. I don't um, really watch subs all dubs. the way, all the way. Oh. Subs. Forget dubs. Dubs are are no good. Even when I watch foreign films, I love foreign films. When I watch foreign films, or when I watch like one of my all time favorite movies is The Seven Samurai. It's a classic, and I watch that with subtitles too. I can't watch something dubbed because at that point I feel like I feel like I'm doing an insult to the way the movie mm-hmm. is filmed or the way the story yes. is being told. You have to do it respecting the way it was supposed to be told because a lot of times you lose translation in the dubs and the dubs are like they don't even make sense it's like wait a minute i know he didn't say i know he or she didn't say something that stupid there's no way and then you go back and watch it with the subtitles and you're like i knew it the dub just ruined everything for me no i never i don't dub anything never you can't you absolutely can't sorry go ahead were you gonna say something else i was only gonna say the only time i ever dubbed was like probably was a Dragon Ball Z. That was it because it was like, it was on Toonami when I was a kid. So like, that was the first time I ever got introduced to any type of anime. So you did it. Yeah, you did it. But since then you've gone back and watched it with the subtitles. Oh yeah, I watched it back to like sub. So like, it, I had to go, if you're going to go back, we're going back to all the way to the Dragon Ball like era. We're going back to like when it first happened, like when he and Goku was a little kid, whatever. Like I watched it as a sub and then so on and so forth. Like it just makes perfect sense because it's like, the way they talk and the way they go about like certain words and like how like certain things were going, it just made sense. I was like, oh, that's what you meant. And then when I watched it in English, I was just and like, I was like, really? 
just you just couldn't keep it to original. You just had to add your own flavor to it. Yeah, you had to. You had like, to just... Don't get me wrong. It's like, all right, cool. Like some people, some people like English dubs. Me personally, I'm a more of a sub. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I, I'm the same way. You and I see we're clicking on so many different levels right now. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Now the ghetto samurai character. There are so many different ways you can evolve mm-hmm. this character. You can go towards a light side. You can also go towards an incredibly dark side with this character. And every character, much like we've seen with the Undertaker, with uh, the you know, uh, may he rest in peace, Wyndham Rotunda, and all the stuff he did with the yes. Fiend and Bray Wyatt. Uh, incredible loss for pro wrestling. Same thing with Terry Funk. Incredible loss. Last week was a very tough week for pro wrestling. Yeah, it was really a tough week. Just getting that message, um, driving up to um Canada and then seeing like um Bray Wyatt just passing away, and then before that, just Terry Funk. And I'm just like, yeah, this is really hard on the wrestling community itself because like no one wants, nobody wants to see that. But it's just like, damn man, like we really lost some good wrestlers we lost some good brothers out there man absolutely absolutely and 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 that's the unfortunate part if you're not in this community or you don't appreciate this art form then you just don't get it you just see this isn't well that's a, so i'm sorry that person passed away nods it hits different man it hits i have a whole shelf in my in my studio here that's just all bray wide stuff from my masks to my action figure that shelf will go untouched now because that that's a perfect representation of who he was uh, as a character. But that's what I'm talking about, like the evolution that you could go. Where What's the next stage in the journey for the Ghetto Samurai in terms of elevation and evolution? Where do you want to evolve this character to? Because there really is such an amazing story that you can push and twist and turn so many different ways. It's exciting to really think about where you could go with this character. To not give too much information now, I want to leave you guys with a surprise. That way, you know, it's a, it's a genuine reaction. But I'll give you guys a little hints. You may never know. You might see me in the suit with some, you know, certain glasses. You you know, people in Japan, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Those, that dark side, you might see me in that. You never know. Mm-hmm. But as far as going back to the light, uh, hmm. I feel like that character as far well that evolved like as far as like being the good guy, it can go either way. Like you just never know how like it could go. Like sometimes you just may get surprised. You may get that one surprise where it's like, hey, like I struggled like as being a good guy. Like I struggled. But being a bad guy, it helped me evolve and understand who I am and be comfortable. So, and now I'm like, I'm more talkative. I'm more like, you know, like I have the confidence confidence that I did before. Like, yeah, I had the confidence, but stepping into like that dark side of Noah Catano, like it gave me the most absolute best confidence I've had now. But you just never know. You might see me with a suit. May see me with those little light Asian sunglasses, you know, pop out of nowhere with a sword. Aonakis might be wearing the suit. They might be still wearing the same stuff. You never know. You could go crazy 88 with it, like, uh, you know, Kill Bill oh, Volume 1. Yes. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I know. I saw this. Dude, Tarantino. Tarantino is my guy. Like, the, like, dude, I, I faked homesick when I was nine years old to watch Reservoir Dogs on VHS because my parents rented it. Okay? Oh, and it, changed, it changed my life. I literally watched it from 8 a.m. when my parents left for work till four o'clock when they got home i watched that movie four times in a row back to back to back to back okay that is 
That that is hands down. That's Quentin the most Tarantino. I've ever heard somebody watch something like oh. that. Well, dude, Quentin Tarantino is everything for me. Even I appreciate. I even appreciate Death Proof. And a lot of people hate Death Proof, and I get it. I get it. I get. It. But I still appreciate Death Proof for what it is. I like Planet Terror better, but I appreciate Death Proof. I'm not gonna lie. It's not my favorite, but it's not my least favorite. My least hey. favorite would probably be. Uh, it may not probably... be everybody's cup of tea, but you know what? As long as you satisfy with it, you're good. Oh man. That's the way I look at movies. You have to be satisfied with a little bit of something and take from it. And that actually leads to my final question before we wrap this up and you and I say goodbye. When you look at yourself now from the evolution of yourself as a person and you mm -hmm. look at yourself when you were younger, like you mentioned, when you were younger, you were a little crazy. You had the mouth. You had all that stuff. If you could go back in time and give yourself some advice at a younger day that would help you maybe reach points of your journey now a little bit quicker. What would you tell yourself if you could go back? Never be afraid to make yourself look like a fool. Because a lot of people want to be normal. And I feel like everybody's weird in their own type of way. So I, growing up, you know, if to tell my younger self, don't worry about your insecurities. Don't worry about what people will say. Just... Continue being you, and if they don't like it, they can go f off. I, if I can't curse on this podcast, I'm oh, bad. you absolutely can. They can fuck right off. Fuck them all. That's oh, it. Oh, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That well, that's an amazing way to end this incredible conversation. Nolo, thank you so much for giving us the time today, and I want to let you know you are now officially a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime thank you want to come man. back, it would be incredible to do this again. I'd love to be back. Thank you for having me on the show. All right, cool. Before I go, please shout out your socials so everyone can follow the journey that is the Ghetto Samurai. Yes, you can definitely follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not really on Facebook like that, but on Instagram and Twitter, just follow me at Nolo under dash uh, Katano, and we're good. Absolutely. And guys, as you know, all my socials are in the links below. So click, 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 like, support, support, support. We all appreciate it because that's what wrestling is. It's all about supporting one another and raising each other up. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George Mackay. This is Straight Talk Wrestling. This one's a wrap in the can. Peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you so much for watching. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and turn on that notification bell so you get notified each time we post a video. Alternatively, you can check us out on all podcast platforms and host it on Podbean. We are also available on the SNME Network. That's the Sunday Night Main Event Patreon. Please feel free to check us out there as well. And don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at underscore Straight Talk on Twitter, at Straight Talk Wrestling on Instagram, Straight Talk Wrestling on Facebook, Straight Talk Wrestling on TikTok, and of course, you can check out all our merch at ProWrestlingTees.com. I don't need a nigga.